Good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's it's an absolute beautiful day. Absolute beautiful day. I mean, it is remarkable. Uh, This is a day that the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. But this is a day that only he could make. And thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of it. We are going to continue in Colossians chapter 3 in our family series. Jason, thank you for getting us sat and ready to go. And I don't know about you, but I'm already excited. Just the announcements, like, that's great. Like, the announcements are good. Like, it's, but it is so good to see all of you here on this beautiful day. But Colossians chapter 3, relationships. And I want to begin by uh, just sharing a story that's been told about a father and his son who were in a department store together. And at the urging of his teenage son, the father accompanies him to the weightlifting section of the store, as you can imagine. I was 15, 16 once in my life where I just thought that the answer to everything was to lift weights and get stronger. And so this, this, this teenage son's in his father's ear about the weights. Let's go check out the weights. And so he locks in on this set of weights that he thinks he's just got to have. Like, Dad, please, please, please buy these weights for me. And his dad says, Son... This is a very serious commitment. I mean, if we buy these weights, you've got to understand, you've got to be all in here. I don't want to buy these weights, and next thing you know, we're hanging the laundry on them to dry out. Not to mention, they're expensive. His son says, Dad, I promise you, if you buy these weights, I will use them. I won't let you down. So he's persuaded, and he pulls out the card and checks out, buys the weights. But as they're walking out toward the door... He hears his son behind him incredulously say, what? They expect me to carry him out? (laughs) Right? So uh, we've got some parents in the room who can identify with that story. As parents, we realize that there are things that we have to teach our children. There are things that they just do not understand, and our role is so very critical And so this is where we're going to start today in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. At a very high level, we're going to focus on exactly how we are to approach this mammoth of a responsibility called parenting. Now, before we take off, let me just say from the start, okay? Over the years, I have been a part of, I would say countless discussions about parenting, okay? I've been at the table to discuss different parenting scenarios and different things that are going on in different people's lives in the church and their children, and I have read books. I have, in other words, here's where I'm going, okay? I told Lori, I said, I feel like I need to wear a bulletproof vest today, okay? Because I promise you, some toes are going to get stepped on, and you're going to swear I'm talking about your kid. Okay? I, I, listen, people, when it comes to parenting, it's like the last thing I want to hear is that I have failed as a parent or my kids are terrible. And that's exactly what you're saying, Kenny. No, I'm not. What, I'm, what I've done is I have read, I have studied, I have prayed. I'm a parent myself, <laughs> okay? My kids aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect father. Lori isn't a perfect mother, okay? So I am not attacking you. I'm not attacking your child or your children. 
Uh, hopefully, I'm being true to the Bible. Okay? So if something steps on your toes, if you get uncomfortable, if I'm out of bounds biblically, we can have that conversation. But if I'm within the lines of Scripture, can you just take that from the Lord? That just maybe this is something you need to work on. This isn't Kenny being nasty or grinding an axe or trying to make a point. That No, if he's within the lines of Scripture, it's probably the Holy Spirit of God saying something to me. Deal? All right. Verse 20. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So like everything that we've seen up to this point, Paul's instructions here are very straightforward and clear. Don't need a PhD or master's degree. I mean, you can't miss this. Children, obey your parents in all things. But in a crowd of this size, and given the people who are viewing online, I'm certain that there are some parents who are dealing with and struggling and wrestling with disobedience in their children. That's just the reality, and I get that. But here's what we need to establish, and I do mean established right away, right away. The Bible says, children, obey your parents. Listen, children must be trained to obey. That simple. Children just do not wake up one day and go, oh, you know what? I should obey you. No, 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 no. It's just, and again, I, I don't mean to uh, be insensitive or inappropriate, but it, I liken it to, it's, it's like a dog. If you get a puppy, well, they're cute and they're cuddly and they're lovable, but what do you have to do? <laughs> You've got to train them. Like, puppies don't train themselves. Dogs don't train themselves. You've got to train them to how to go to the restroom. You've got to train them not to scratch on the furniture and all these things. I mean, like, they don't come programmed that way. Children are the same way. Children must be trained to obey. The miracle of childbirth, I believe, can convert the most hardened atheist being in a labor and delivery room for both of the births of my children, it is beyond magnificent. God is amazing. God is great. When you look at childbirth, you go, I'm speechless. I remember at, at both, at, at watching both of my children born, I was speechless. I was trembling. I was in awe of the greatness of God. Wow, this is incredible. But within the first year of our first son, his life, I came to realize this. You have it in your notes, Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Because of the sin nature that all children are born with, foolishness comes with them. It's part of the birth package. It would be fantastic if it was optional, if we could decline that, but we can't. All children, I don't care how beautiful they are, and they all are beautiful, 
and how much we love them, and we love them, but the reality is they're all born foolish. And when you consider what Proverbs has to say about the fool or about foolishness, this is a very serious issue. Proverbs tells us that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Your child, initially, that's going to be them. They are going to despise wisdom and instruction. Fools hate knowledge. A shame shall be the promotion of fools. A foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. It is sport to a fool to do mischief. And we can go on and on and on, but the description that the Word of God gives us about foolishness, this is a very serious condition that my children were born with, your children were born with, and all children are born with. This is why the Bible instructs us parents from Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is why we have to train them up in the way they should go, because the way that they're born, they are not going to naturally go that way. We have to put them on that path. So here we go. Very critical. (laughs) Listen, I understand the magnitude of this great responsibility called parenting. It is larger than all of us combined. But understand this, steadfast biblical training is the only way to address foolishness in children. And I would encourage you to circle the word steadfast. It is, it's not a way. It's not something to consider. When we're talking about the training of children, listen to me very carefully. Steadfast, biblical training is the only way to address foolishness in children. There is no other way to address it. No other way. The phrase train up, it means to narrow. It means to narrow. In other words, what we do as parents is we say, listen, we're going to limit your options in terms of which way you can go. We're going to narrow it for you. We're going to put down the lines and we're going to say, this is it. Anything outside of these lines, not an option, not a consideration. Over my dead body. (laughs) And that is the diametrical opposite of foolishness, is it not? Because if there's anything that fools are disinterested in, it's boundaries. Fools want to live wild, don't they? Fools want to live outside the lines. Fools hate structure. Fools hate order. Fools hate laws. Fools hate discipline. They want to do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it, and whoever they want to do it with, and don't tell me I can't. And that is exactly the way children 
will, not might. That's exactly how they will live if you don't train them. If you don't train them up in the way they should go, I promise you that's the way they're going to go. They're going to live like a fool. Anytime they come against structure, accountability, authority, anything that says no, anything that puts restrictions or limitations or boundaries on them, they're going to rebel with everything in them. Why? Because you did not train them otherwise. So, the first area of focus in parenting is to educate. It's to educate. If we are to train children up in the way they should go, we must teach them. <laughs> now, the educational aspect of this takes years. But what has been inspired and preserved for us in verse 20, it simplifies it for us so very well. And it gives us three very, this is so basic, but I promise you, this is, all this is huge. It gives us three very specific areas of focus in terms of our education of our children as parents. And the first one, I will promise you, please, I'm, I, I'm imploring you right now. This is so simple, but I, I need you to hear this. This first one that we're going to discuss, I am telling you with everything in me, this is where you will win or lose as a parent. This is where we're talking about success or failure in parenting. This first one, listen. Parents must teach the hierarchical arrangement in the family. Parents must teach the hierarchical arrangement in the family. Hierarchy deals with the arrangement and order of rank, which remember in chapter two, Paul commended this church for their order. This is a big deal with Paul and with God. Paul addressed relationships as we're walking through this in order of rank, as we saw. Wives, then husbands, parents, then fathers, then children, employees, employers, and he reinforces it in verse 20. Look at it. He addresses children first, then parents, and then the Lord. You see the hierarchy? This is huge. This is, listen, if you do not get this, you've got no shot. No shot. If you do not establish this, you're done. You will be playing from behind all the years of parenting. You will be in a deficit the entire time. When Paul wrote the first epistle to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 5, he said this. He said, know them who are over you in the Lord. Listen to me very carefully. Your children must know that you are over them in the Lord. They must know that. That you are over them in the Lord. Please hear this. One of the common errors in parenting 
is becoming equals too soon. This is a mistake. This is an error that I have witnessed too many times. This is where in the eyes of the child, they now begin to view their parents as equals, as peers. In other words, dad, I don't see you any different than Derek at school. So how I deal with Derek and how I talk to Derek and how I respond to Derek is how I respond to you. So in other words, if Derek says something I don't like, I just dismiss it. I write it off. I don't do it. I don't obey it. And it becomes obvious to you that your child is viewing you this way when they respond to you in a way where it is crystal clear in the moment that they are viewing you like this. Not this. <laughs> they do not recognize. They do not receive or respect you as an authority. Now, to clarify, the parenting years last from birth to the age of 20 approximately. Okay, and I'll justify that here in just a moment. Now, there are stages within those 20 years that we can talk about. We don't have time this morning, but, but start to finish, that's the parenting window. And I base that on what we read in Numbers 145. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel. So at the age of 20 was when people were numbered or counted, or, or counted and that's when men could actually go fight in war. So for me, I have identified that number as that's a very big number for me in terms of when my window is starting to wind down, if not close. And that's when we'll begin to, particularly with my son, around the age of 20, that's when he and I will sit down and we'll start working through a very deliberate transition plan. Okay, where we start having big discussions about where he's going and, and all of that. He should be done with college around that time and uh, he's more than welcome to come back home and, and stay as long as he needs to stay. But, but again, that, that will be a discussion that we'll have to talk about what that looks like. What are his goals? What are his plans? Okay, so if, I mean, he's, he's got a college degree and either he's gonna get more schooling or He's going to start to look to build his career. No problem. He can stay as long as he needs to stay, provided that he's got a plan and a vision. Maybe he's saving money to buy his first home and things like that. We'll talk through that. But I'm telling you, the option for my son uh, to be in my home at 21, 22, Surfing the internet, playing video games, watching TV all day. We're not doing that. <laughs> That's not an option. <laughs> now, he can do that. He's going to have to find somewhere else to do it. But not an option in my house. Okay? The Lord can change this as he sees fit, but unless 
or until he does, I am planning for my daughter to stay in our home, and my preferred transition would be that I transition her from under my authority and protection to her husband's. Now, again, that's, that's, that's my plan. That's my vision for my daughter. I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm not saying you're wrong if you do it differently. I'm just saying that's my burden. And my burden is rooted in the fact that um, I'm very burdened to see her under the direct provisional and protection uh, of either her husband or her father. That, that, that's, that's my heart for my daughter. But she, too... <laughs> As long as she's in my home, if she's in her 20s, she, she can do that. But she's got to be preparing herself to help her husband when that day comes. Here's where we're going. Once your children reach their 20s, they are no longer children physically. You've got to understand that. They are no longer children physically. So the biblical expectation now in their 20s is guess what? is that they honor you. (laughs) Here's the problem, though, and this is a big problem. Listen very carefully. Disobedient children typically become dishonorable adults. This is the problem. Disobedient children typically become dishonorable adults. This is why the establishment of the hierarchy in the home is so critical early in in the parenting process. And this is reinforced in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. That word obey, it means to hear under. What did we say? Children must know that their parents are over them in the Lord. If they are to obey, it means that they hear under as a subordinate. In other words, they they must recognize they're under you. Children who disobey often, listen, do so because the hierarchy in the family was never established from the beginning. I know for me, as a father early on, my biggest focus, and once I felt like we had this established, then I could transition and focus on the next area, but my biggest focus was to make sure they understood that I am their father first and then their dad I'm your father and when I speak my voice needs to sound different to you than any other human voice in the world period And as we established that, and I won that battle, yeah, I'm your dad too. We can go out and we can go get ice cream and you get to pick. You can choose whether or not you want this pizzeria, that pizzeria, or you want to go to this pool or that pool, you want to ride this ride in the amusement park, no problem. You want to play catch in the yard, we can do that. As long as we have an agreement. That when I speak to you as your father, you hear that and you respond accordingly. We can't become friends too soon. Two, 
Parents must teach their children to obey. This must be taught. Parents must understand the dangers that are associated with disobedience and dishonorable children. This is from God's perspective. This is extremely dangerous. Under the moral law of the Old Testament, consider what the Bible says in Exodus 21, 17. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, obviously, we are not under the moral law of the Old Testament. But the point was made. God takes disobedience in children very seriously. Listen to me very carefully. It's not that God took it serious. It's that God takes it serious. Present tense. God does not look the other way and just go, oh, they'll, they'll get it, they'll figure it out. No, 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 trust me. If your children are disobedient, I promise you they have God's undivided attention. That is very serious with God. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out. And the young eagles shall eat it. This is serious stuff, everybody. Oh, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay. How about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3? Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. That was written to a New Testament local church. Hear this. The honoring or dishonoring of parents has a direct impact on the quality and longevity of life in a child. That's how serious this is. That's how serious this is. Your child's quality of life and even their longevity of life is connected as far as God is concerned is connected to their obedience and honoring of you. This is serious. Disobedience and dishonor as a parent, listen, you do not look the other way. You do not assume it's just going to go away or it's just going to work itself out someday. No, the Bible tells you as a parent, you must drive that out. Not listen, praise God for student ministries and Kid Town and whatnot, but Kid Town doesn't drive foolishness from my child far from me or far from them. Praise God for Jeff Gracier and all those folks, they're fine people, but they will never, nor are they responsible for my children like I am. They are a great help. They are a great compliment to what we do. But that has been on us from day one to drive the foolishness of our children far from them. 
So how do we educate our children to obey? Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So, one of the ways that the Lord Jesus Christ spells love to him, how does Christ know that we love him? You ready? Here's how he spells it. O-B-E-Y. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's how the Lord spells love. It's not the feelings that we get when we're singing our favorite song and we get emotional. That's great, but that's not necessarily obedience or love. The Lord says, here's how I know you love me when you keep my commandments. That's how I know. One of the ways that parents spell love, you ready? R-O-D. Rod. That's one of the ways we say, I love you. And our kids are like, really? You call that love? Yes. And listen, I realize how unpopular that is in 2021, but listen, God is the author of the human family, so I'm going to go with him. I'll leave it at that. This word betimes, it, it means to dawn. Be up early at any task. Here's where we're going. You must start early. Boy, with everything in me, you must start early. This is huge. The most critical training window occurs in the early years of a child. Early. I do mean early. It's been documented that personality traits observed in children by the first grade are a strong predictor of adult behavior. Parents, I implore you to hear me. I do. Children are always showing you which way they are going. They're showing you. They're telling you every day. They're telling you which way they're going. And as you're watching that, you've got one of two responses. If that way is correct, you encourage it. Yes. This is the way that you should be going. This is the way that I'm training you up. But when they start showing you, and it's not, it's not if, it's when, they, they will start showing you which way they are inclined to go. That's when you step in front of them and say, you got to get through me. <laughs> if it kills me, you're going that way. You're going that way. Because I promise you, every time you try and go this way, it's, you're hitting a brick wall. And after a while, your head's going to hurt. And your butt's going to hurt. And you're going to change your mind and go the way that you should go. But they're showing you. Tragically, and I do mean tragically, Too many parents miss that window. My heart, my heart is heavy here. You know why? Because you don't get that window back. 
Once that window is closed, it's closed. And now they're trying to deal with issues in their adult children who are in their 20s that they should have dealt with when they were two and three. I promise you, it's so much easier to deal with it then versus 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I'll tell you, in my home from age one, approximately to three and a half, those were the most intense years for us. Tantrums, fits of rage, outbursts, rebellion, blatant disobedience. I mean, in your face. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, we focused, and I do mean, and I do mean intently, we focused intently every single day. No days off. I remember one time, I did a few things, but I remember one time I got down, uh, I leveled one of my kids, and I said, listen, I said, I want you to know, your will is strong, but my will is stronger. I will break you. I will break, I will win. I have to. I have to win. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But I remember during that time, we, we didn't go out very much we, because our kids couldn't, they couldn't handle that. Our kids did not know how at that, between one and, and three and a half, they didn't know how to sit at a table and be mannerable and respectful and polite and not drive not just us crazy, but anybody around us crazy. I mean, they crawl on the floor and throw food. I mean, you, it was just like animal house here. What are we doing? So guess what we did? We, we trained them how to sit at the table. This is how you sit at the table. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're not bringing our toys to the table. No, no, no. We're going to sit at the dinner table. I'm sitting here. Mom's sitting here. You're going to sit there, and we're going to eat, and we're going to keep our voices at this level. We're not going to yell. That's what we worked on. We, we trained them on how to rudely interrupt us when we're in the middle of conversation. We're trying to have a conversation. Oh, I want a snack. I want something to drink. You better give it to me now. Okay, sorry. No. Okay. Again, I'm just throwing a name out. Ken, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go back to your room. I need you to quietly return. I need you to stand right next to me. And when you feel like we're at a place where you can say, excuse me, I want you to say, Dad, excuse me. I have a question or I need help. Okay, so let's try that. Go back to your room. So we did. Um, going to bed without pushback. All right, hey guys, it's bedtime. Ah! Ah! <laughs> you, can't, you don't love me, you hate my guts. No. It's bedtime. Okay? And what that means is, is let's get our toothbrush, let's brush our teeth, let's get our jammies on, let's tuck you in, 
And guess what? And you're going to stay in bed too. You're not going to get up and, you know, because I'm missing something. No, no, no. You're... Okay, so when I, when, I, when I say or we say bedtime, we say, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. That's how we respond to that. Any other response is unacceptable, and I'm going to let you know that. And if you get up after I've put you down, unless you're sick or there's a problem, if you get up and I perceive that that's a disobedient get up, I promise you, once we put you back down, you're going to stay down. Not throwing a fit when it's time to leave a park or doing something fun. Hey, we've been here for two hours. Man, we've gotten you a an ice cream cone, We've, I mean, it's just been a fun day. It's time for us to leave. Okay. So when we get home, I want you to hear from me. We're going to address that. Did you have a good time? Yes. You had fun? Yes. Did you enjoy the ice cream? Yes. Did you enjoy the slide? Yes. Okay. But when I said to you, it's time to go, what did you do? I threw a fit. Okay. Good. So when we get home, I'm going to address that. So when we get home, you know what room you need to go to. I must teach you that when I speak to you, there is a way that you are to respond to me that is pleasing to God and good for you. And I will do whatever I have to do every single day until you get that. When it came to discipline, we would remind them of what they were to do and what they chose to do. I will tell you, for two and a half years, we didn't count to three. We didn't make idle threats. Uh, we didn't plead for obedience. We did not repeat ourselves to get obedience. We constantly taught them that we showed them what happens when they blatantly disobey and what happens when they willingly obey the first time. This works, doesn't it? It is good for you. Look at how good things go when mommy or daddy gives you instruction and you comply immediately. Isn't that great? I'll tell you, around three and a half, the tantrum subsided noticeably. Uh, the, 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 the times of discipline began to become more infrequent. And I'll tell you, around age eight, for both of my children, is when we officially retired the rod. No longer needed it. Now, <laughs> we are still training, for sure, but the establishment of the hierarchy in our home early on, listen, allows us to, to dwell peacefully with our teenage children. We enjoy them. I think they enjoy us pretty much. I mean, we still will all sit on the couch and watch a movie together and be as close as you can be. Uh, we worked all day in the yard. Yesterday was a yard day for us. It's that time in the garage and we're all working together. I don't have to pull teeth and beg everybody and plead. No, no, no. Listen, this is what we have to do today, and we're all going to do it, and it's great. 
and guess what? Our kids, they, they love ice cream from Sonic, so we took them to Sonic and celebrated, you know, <laughs> yard day. And it's fun. Um, there's no yelling in my home. There's no slamming of doors. Tension is very rare. They are imperfect, but I'll tell you, they are far from disobedient and dishonorable parents. Here's what you have to understand is ultimately at stake. And if, if, if nothing I've said up until this point does not get your attention, I pray to God that this does. Listen, parents are what stand between a child's soul and hell. That's what's at stake here. This is what is on the line. And I'll show it to you here in just a minute. Look at Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. That's what's on the line. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. The Bible is never advocating the abuse of children. Okay? It's not that we beat them within an inch of their life. God forbid. That's not love. That is abuse. But biblical discipline delivers the soul of a child from hell because biblical discipline exposes the child to their sin nature and provokes repentance. You are massaging their heart. You are getting them ready to face their sin and the gospel. You're laying the groundwork for them to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they will never do that, and they've got to see their sin. They've got to see it. They've got to see that their sin breaks the heart of God and that God had to come and die and pay for their sins. Child discipline shows them that. This is why, listen, it is unloving to spare the rod. This is hard to say, but I have to say it. You show me a parent who looks at the Bible and says, you know what, that's barbaric, that's archaic, I will never spank my kids and do what the Bible says, I'll just tell you this, in God's eyes, you spare the rod, you do not love your kids. That's what the Bible says. No, the Bible says actually you hate them. You go, bro, that's really heavy. Okay, well, let me, let me give you a visual. Okay, so let's say this, these black rugs, let's say these, this represents hell, and that speaker represents your child. And the Bible has shown me what I can do and what I need to do to protect and prevent my child from going here. The Bible has shown me, hey, you are standing between your child and hell. And I step aside and go, and you call that love? No, I'm going to do everything I can do before God to keep you from going there. You are encouraging them toward hell. Finally, 
Parents must teach their children to please God. Verse 20, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Why are children to obey their parents in all things? Why are children to obey their parents in the Lord, Ephesians 6.1? Because it is well-pleasing to the Lord. That's what I'm saying. God takes disobedience very seriously in children. Why? Because disobedience and dishonor displease him. God says, I'm not pleased when your children are disobedient. I'm not pleased when your children are dishonorable. God says, I'm grieved. Listen, parents must teach that obedience pleases God and disobedience grieves him. I mean, this is what you are teaching them. Why do they need to obey you? Is it because you're the big bad parent and you're in charge and you're beating your chest and this is my house? And No, 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 no. I need you to obey and do right because it pleases God when you I want you to please him. And he is pleased when you obey me and you obey your mother. It must be clear to them that obedience is about the Lord, not you. The sober reality is that disobedient children... They're not concerned with pleasing God, are they? They're concerned with pleasing who? That's what you got to break. And that should cause your heart to tremor. Here's why. I'm almost done. Hosea 8, verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. This was Hosea's, one of his warnings to the northern kingdom of Israel about the impending destruction from the Assyrians. So guess what happens in the life of a disobedient child? Children who are displeasing God are inviting the judgment of God. You show me a child who digs their heels in and say, you know what, you can say whatever you want. I'm going to do whatever I want. Okay. What I'm telling you, Mom, what I'm telling you, Dad, is that child is inviting the judgment of God. Hosea was prophesying to a disobedient son at the time, Israel. And you know what? Because they refused to obey they refuse to honor God. They refuse to repent. Go study your history as to what happened in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians took the northern kingdom. And you read the book of Hosea and you see the cruelty that God allowed to be unleashed against his son Israel at the hand of the Assyrians. It will make your heart or make your stomach turn. Mothers with children ripped out of their bellies. The Assyrians were merciless. And God says, okay, Israel, if you're, going, if you're determined to rebel against me and disobey me, this is what you are inviting. Parents, I am telling you, if your children are determined to rebel against you, this is where that train is going. 
And you've got to stand between them and that and say, by the grace of God over my dead body, I will die before you go that way. Part two of this will be this week. Watch your email. There'll be a link to wrap up this section. Lord, there's so much that we looked at today. God, I just pray for parents in the room. I pray that they will hear and receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen.